y'all. Pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bezer. I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston, as always. Listen to the Buddha's brand bringing us in as we get ready to talk about destruction by Baptist. Texas got their butts handed to them as they ran into a buzzsaw that is Baylor in Waco. It's just never Chris Beard's game when he takes on the Baylor Bears. So we'll talk about what we saw in Waco, how you minimize games like that in the future, and how Texas moved on from that Sticking it to Oklahoma, who still sucks, and nobody hates Oklahoma more than Andrew Jones. So we'll talk about how Andrew Jones did, how the rest of the team did there, and the first series sweep by the Longhorns and what that means for Texas's Big 12 position. Then, lastly, talk about Texas Tech coming to Texas. Boy, it's it's going to be a crazy game there as well because there's there are Tech fans who are ready to come to Austin. We'll talk about... How Texas avoids what happened in Lubbock in Austin. And is Texas Tech doing transfers right? We'll talk about that as well. Y'all, how are we feeling this week? I'm just happy to be listening to your voice. Yeah, it feels good to hear your dulcet tones. I, I'm i super wet. Did I miss something here? I'm super wet over here. No, I'm not wet at all, but... Uh, okay, Ben Shapiro. Uh, actually, oh, man. <laughs> No, but it's good. It's good. It's, you know, the the split, uh, you know, the road split is what it is. It's uh, it's a decent thing to get given the circumstances. And we uh, came into this, uh, came into the entire season knowing that the last 10 games of the conference schedule was going to be a gauntlet. And so far, Texas has looked pretty good. So there's still plenty of tough stuff on the horizon. But as far as uh, Texas basketball is concerned, I, it's tough to be feeling too negative right now. Even as even as uh, discomfiting as the the game in Waco was, so I mean it was about what I expected. I, I did not expect Texas to to go into Waco and win that game. Uh, I didn't really expect them to be super competitive. Uh, they had moments of competitiveness, um, but you know they they also went to Oklahoma and won, which is not uh, a given for any team in the Big Twelve this year. So ask yep. Tech. And uh, so, you know, t- take every win you can get. Yeah, well, let's get into that Baylor game because while they did lose by, what was it, 17 points, it didn't really feel like Texas got blown out. It, Texas, I mean, yes, it, it wasn't close, but I guess it didn't feel like Texas just got absolutely destroyed. I, I think they just, Baylor was just a much better team and a much more athletic team, especially down low, even without Chamo Chachua. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they, Baylor had a 13 0 run in the first half that made it 31 to 17. And if you look at the win probability ch- charts on Ken Palm, it's almost a flat line at that, from that point forward. Uh, there was a, a minor dead cat bounce in the second half when Texas had a 10 0 run to make things respectable, but it, from that point on, it was just sort of Baylor's better, and they are, for the most part, keeping Texas from seriously threatening. So I, it may not have felt like a blowout, but it definitely felt like a pretty comfortable win for most of the game to me. Um, you know, with with Akinjo playing as well as he did, and, and he was absolutely cooking 
just about every Texas defender that that was on him. And, you know, the, the other Baylor players just hitting shots and going and getting rebounds and doing all the things that they are, they normally do. Uh, it, it It's just sort of one of those games where it's a measuring stick and you see where Texas is and kind of, kind of where they are to the elite teams in, in the country. And Texas just came up short. Just, yeah. Yeah. It, it helped that Flagler went eight for 11 and four for five from three. Like that, he just couldn't miss. He just had, he has games where he's hot as fire, and the games where he's just not. And this was a game he would just he just found his stroke. And when you have to guard both Flagler and Akinjo, you're not gonna win that game. Yeah, and and when slash if I guess if slash when they get Cryer back, uh, you know that's gonna be another piece of that puzzle. He did play tonight. Add. Oh, did he? I didn't. I was watching my son play some tennis, so I didn't have a chance to watch the game. So, um. I, you, we've talked ad nauseum about about the maladies that that kind of are Texas basketball when when it goes poorly, um, you know. But I guess if I could simplify something here with this one against Baylor, it would just be they are as lengthy as us, they are as skilled as us, but they're also more athletic than we are. Um, and I'm not sure that that's the rest, you know, that that's something that we are ultimately going to compete with. It's one of the reasons I was a little surprised that we beat Kansas, but I think Kansas did us a bit of a favor defensively. Uh, and obviously we came out and, and shot really well and, and were able to really take advantage of what they did. I don't, you know, if Baylor is going to play their, you know, even their B plus or a, you know, a minus game, which without Cryer and without Chamu Chachua, uh, we kind of got. Uh, we're gonna ha- we'd have to shoot really well against a team like that to to come out and feel like hey we have an opportunity. And I think that I, to to me the biggest the biggest I don't want to say culprit but the biggest victim in this situation was uh, was Timmy Allen. You know I, I think he was he was so he was so productive against Kansas. Uh, again, as, as Johnny and I both pointed out, I think during the podcast, like Kansas's defense just was awkward. I don't, I don't know why they made the choices that they did. And we sort of lamented like, well, I'm not sure that defense is going to happen again. And then Baylor just absolutely shut him down. I think he has something like four points or I don't remember exactly what it was, but okay. So, but he just, he, you know, nothing came easy against Baylor for him. Um, and as, as the, the level rises, uh, particularly of athleticism, but just ser- simply in general, as the level rises, I think that Timmy's going to have um, some issues with with matching that production that he had against Kansas, which is fine. Like that's okay. Like he's he's a he's a fine player, and and he's won some games for us, and certainly he he came up big in in Norman. But um, you know, I just I, it seemed pretty clear that their guards were able to kind of get into the lane whenever they wanted. They also, you know, as as Will pointed out, they shot very well from three, or at least Flagler did. Um, and I, you know, I just, <laughs> I'm not sure, I'm not sure how we can expect this particular version of Texas to to compete against that level of teams. So what we would like to see is, can we take care of business against the other teams? And and so far, so good. But um, you know, I I just, if we played Baylor twenty times or ten times, maybe we'd win a couple. You know, but it would have to be the the, the right circumstances, yeah. and certainly we'd have to shoot a lot better than we did in Waco. And also one one minor addition: uh, Baylor got forty three percent of their available offensive rebounding chances, and it's hard enough to beat a team like Baylor 
when you're letting them have their first shot, but when they get their second shot, they're probably going to, at least at that, that rate, they're probably going to beat you. Like Texas would have to play an absolute a plus game to counteract something like that. Yeah. Cause that's when they're going to splash open threes. That's when they're going to get more foul calls on us. That's when they're going to find opportunities to just take advantage of our lack of athleticism. Right. So it, beard can scheme really, really well on what we, you know, like in system plays, like to borrow a term from volleyball, like in system plays, like, okay, when we, when we get things, how we want them to be, he's able to scheme in those situations. But I think where, where last year, Texas's team, because of the height and athleticism that we had, we kind of won some of those out of system circumstances. Like, Oh, like if shit breaks down, we have all of these finishers that can get those shots in the lane, or we have guys that can kind of break things down a little bit more. And this year we just, we're lacking that. So we're kind of on the, on the negative end with some of those negative plays and whether that's, whether that's second chance points, whether that's uh fast break opportunities, whether that's, you know, whatever it might be um, this, this team, is going to, you know, like a lot of things, they're going to struggle in those scenarios against the the better teams in the country, which so will almost every team. Uh, but we don't, you know, we're not almost every team. We're, we're, you know, if we, if we have second weekend aspirations, we're going to have to figure some of that stuff out over the next few weeks. Right. And what that means is basically, you know, Baylor is able to use their athleticism to force Texas into bad shots. Texas shot, you know, hit 20 other 61 shots, whereas Baylor hit 50% of their shots. Uh, Texas, only one guy hit it hit double digits in points. That was Andrew Jones, who went three for six and three. And, you know, guys who you rely on, uh, like Marcus Carr, Courtney Ramey, Timmy Allen, uh, Trey Mitchell, were n- put in tough situations because of Baylor's athleticism, whereas Baylor was able to use their athleticism to basically create their own shots. Well, Kenjo... He only went four for 11, had seven assists. The ability for those guys to just use their superior athleticism to create easier shots was well on display. Well, I think so too. And, and you know, when you talk defensively about what Baylor did, which we've spoken about enough times here that people will probably be like, okay, we, we get it. But, you know, I think what, what made how they played us and how Gonzaga played us is they just – teams don't have to do anything special. Like they can guard us defensively inside of a relatively vanilla system, which when you have athletes like that and you can, you, you can just say, Hey, we want to be matched up man to man. We want to be matched up in a situation where Texas has to like try to execute against a, a set, you know, one set defensive player. Then the rest of your team can play ball lane or passing lanes a little bit more. They can they can kind of trap when it's there. They can um, you know they can help as a secondary defender to look for a block shot or something like that. Like they can they can be a little bit more aggressive on the defensive rebounding and things like that. And I just you know when we talked about like not they didn't just shut us down, but they were able to sh- because of how they were able to shut us down uh, in a pretty vanilla bland type of defensive role or system. Um, you know, that, that limits some of the other things that we can do. Cause what we want, we want defenses to take chances. We want them to feel like they've got to like, you know, try to, to try gimmick stuff or try some things where, you know, they're, they're either overly aggressive or they, you know, they maybe like, um, allow our passing or our movement away from the ball to benefit us. Whereas I think Baylor just looked at us and said, we don't got to do that shit. <laughs> like we, we just don't have to do to deal with it. Um, 
And and as surprised as I was that Kansas did not do that, uh, that is equally as unsurprised as I was that Baylor did. And so, as with any of this stuff, like college coaches are copycats, as as Johnny has mentioned, you know. Uh, Gosh, so many times. Jesus, he never shuts up about it. It's like, true. like how many, <laughs> all the big, all these Big Twelve teams that are now no middle. Like you know, when a team like Tech goes to the final and like, oh, no middle. Like, like of course people are going to try to incorporate that same thing. And so once once teams get video footage of of how Baylor played us, I am a little bit concerned that the better teams in the conference are like, oh, well, we we match up athletically in a positive way against Texas. So, um, you know, but one one other quick thing that I thought was important too. I thought that Jace has had a couple good games in a row. I thought he looked good against Baylor. His athleticism and length, I thought, showed out a little bit. I actually thought DeSue moved well and was pretty active against Baylor. Um, we'll see how that all kind of functions and flows with Mitchell out indefinitely here. Um, but there's there's a little bit of silver lining, and I'm I'm hopeful that we can see more of those. Or we're going to have to see more of DeSue. Like you can't just you can't go in with just Bishop and and Allen um, and Cunningham. Well, but you um, say that. um avery uh, benson sir yeah i uh, okay so quick sidebar uh will said people we uh we should rely on like marcus carr do we rely on marcus carr should we rely on marcus carr at this point like who else are you gonna rely on i but that's the point i i don't think there's as many quote-unquote reliable players on this team i think Marcus Carr's ability to draw contact and hit free throws is covering up the fact that he is pretty unreliable against good teams in just about any other facet. He he has really good moments and he can be really good. Like we see some really good moments from him, but you know, he, he didn't hurt Baylor. Like he, he and Oklahoma actually did a fairly good job against him. He just got to the free throw line a bunch. You know, he, 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 I think he scored, what was it, like 16 points? Six of them were from the free throw line. You know, like he, he had a pretty good game against Oklahoma. Baylor just straight up played him and, you know, kept him at bay. So I, I, I don't, I look at him versus Akinjo and I, I think about sort of the transfer ratings as, as people, rankings when people were coming in and I've, I feel like Baylor clearly got the better player of the two. So Texas is going to be playing teams like this going forward and into the tournament. How do you minimize gains like this? How do you move forward and game plan for this? If you're Chris Beard, what do you do? Uh, <laughs> that's my answer. Is, uh, they, you, know, you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't scheme over the our three big issues, and I'll, we'll, I'll just go ahead and say it again: elephant in the room stuff. It just doesn't we're shut up about dynamic, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> we're lacking dynamic point guard play. We're lacking um, high level three point shooting on a consistent basis, and we're lacking uh, rim protecting, lob catching big. Right? If you, if you added those three components to this Texas team, I think there would be a decent chance that we'd be. If you be, added you know, those three components to any team, they would be. Well, yeah, a but final but that's the, but that's the idea. Yeah, no doubt. You're you're 100 correct. But I don't. But I mean, that's that is college basketball's top level, and we don't have those things. So to answer your question, Will, how do how do you avoid that? There is no avoiding it. Like you can you can escape it sometimes and you can get through it because you have a really you know because andrew jones is gonna go off well you know from from three for a day or or timmy allen's gonna have one of his moments where 
where he you know has a has a mass up mismatch for himself or whatever. Or I I mean I I don't know. Or we get to the line thirty five times, <laughs> you know, against a good team that just gets in foul trouble early. I mean these things happen, but there is no avoiding this stuff. The the best coaches and the most athletic, most skilled teams are gonna take advantage of our of our troubles. That's I mean that's just what it's gonna be. So you you know what if you're asking what can happen in March, like when we get to the tournament or something like that, I guess you hope that a fourteen seed upsets a number three seed, right? That kind of thing happens occasionally. It does in not. It does not happen. It has never happened, <laughs> you know, and, and you just and you, you you roll with it with that and and go from there. Let's go ahead and switch topics here and get to Oklahoma because Andrew Jones, I, I went ahead and did some digging last night after Andrew Jones just absolutely went off. I kind of broke down how Andrew Jones does between Oklahoma and every other team he has played to date. He scores. points per game more, averaging 16 points per game, averages 43% from three. That's 8% better than he plays against every single other team. 85% from free throw, which is 7% 7 better than every other team. 42% from field goal range, so 7% better than every other team. And he also has 2.7 rebounds more per game against Oklahoma than any other team. That dude hates Oklahoma. Yeah, y'all, have you seen a Texas player play that well against an Oklahoma team, you know, in their career? Well, I uh, not to take away from Andrew because it's those those stats are all very valid. I I I spent part of the game thinking about how many times Matt Coleman has ripped Oklahoma's heart out over the past 3 years. Uh, with his sort of last second, last minute shot making and whatnot. Uh, that's the first one that comes to mind. Um, I'm sure there are some others in the past. I, I think it's sort of a a combination of a- Andrew being just really good against Oklahoma and also Oklahoma not being quite as good as they've been historically as of late, like be, so that there are more chances to really shine against them than, you know, like early 2000s, late 90s Oklahoma, which was, you know, pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's always enjoyable to watch Andrew go off against them. I I think I said last night that I, I wished, uh, someone could somehow hypnotize Andrew into thinking every game he's playing against Oklahoma, because, uh, that's, there, there's your answer to your previous question. Uh, how do we scheme our way past, uh, the, the better teams in the country is convince Andrew Jones. He's playing against Oklahoma every game, the rest of the season. I mean, Durant, I guess. Yeah, I guess relative to other teams, Rel- right? Relative like to Durant, other games. Durant destroyed worlds, right? Like that was his thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I with I first of all, uh, I feel like Tom Cruise in uh, in the Edge of Tomorrow. First of all, Will, that's a great ter- presentation. Terrific. Uh, it wasn't, that, but I thank mean, you. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, you, I I I really really respect that kind of research because that's that matters to me. So obviously, like you're like, oh, you had a good idea, and not only did you pull it off, but like you were proven correct, which I think is dope. Um, so you're getting talked up said, by your high school teacher. Hell yeah, is what's happening? Yeah. That being said. That's that's that I, English I, that English report right there. That's that research right there. I'm I'm gonna give you the feedback. Yeah, give give you the positive feedback. Give me a then, letter grade. Give you some 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 positive critiques for how you can do and do better. But so for me, the 
there's two things that that stand out for Andrew Jones. The first is that I don't think this particular version this year of Oklahoma is very good. So, so why has he done so well against them? At least this year, I think that uh, it's, Oklahoma's not great. I mean, they're fine. They're fine. And that was a great win against Tech. Uh, hats off to them for that, because I'm not sure that we will beat Tech this year. But but I just, I'm not convinced that that's a wonderful Oklahoma team. So uh, there, part of it's that. The other part of it is, I think Long Kruger, for all the coaches in the Big 12 and all the, you know, all the different coaching acumen that was there, he played an up-tempo offense, which that kind of has has been a, a positive for us both under Shaka and then this year when we've when we've excelled against them I think it's been because we've looked pretty good offensively certainly we we kind of came out and blew the doors off them a little bit uh in Austin and then last night you know obviously the overtime session made the score inflated a little bit but that was a circumstance where Texas I think you know looked pretty good offensively so so Whenever you have a team like Oklahoma that wants to play a little bit more straight up as opposed to a team like Texas Tech or like Kansas State or like West Virginia where their their identity is so ingrained with their defensive side of the ball, um, it's not surprising that Andrew Jones has had some of his better has some of his better nights as a as a Longhorn against a team that has not been quite so defensively centric. Um, and then again, you know the the one team so far that we have that we have. Um, swept this year although i think there we have a couple other sweeps uh potentially on the horizon at least one other sweep potentially on the horizon so um so yeah i i, I he's great and i have my avatar on inside texas.com as of andrew last year uh you know like or maybe it was from two years ago when when andrew kind of was putting his hands up after matt coleman hits the three or whatever yeah it must have been two years ago so uh i i certainly am in in love with that moment but uh but yeah, I, I think it's 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 a it's a wonderful marriage of the fact that Andrew Andrew Jones is a fucking dude, uh, and then also the fact that there's some there's Oklahoma's help with that at least a little bit too. Now Texas has beaten Oklahoma. Well, do we talk about Timmy Allen's game here? Is there much to say here other than I mean it's a terrific game? I, I mean I think uh, as much as we talked about with uh, Baylor and and. Kansas and a couple other teams and the sort of athletic disadvantage Texas has against those teams. It's sort of the other way around on, with Oklahoma because uh, the Groves brothers are not particularly athletic. They're, they're not going to, n- neither of them is going to throw down a thunder dunk on somebody at a moment's notice. Um, Oklahoma has some good athletes in Harkless. Uh, you know, I, I think Goldwire is reasonably athletic uh Jalen Hill and Shergawak like they they have guys who have some shades of athleticism but overall that they're not a more athletic team than Texas and so when you when you have a team that is you know a step below Texas in athleticism like like Oklahoma is guys like Timmy Allen can feast and guys like Christian Bishop can bully ball their way to into the paint and and get you know Allen did a, a one of the things about Allen's game and, and him being sort of this trash man, which I, I, I mean as a compliment, is that he goes and picks up the trash that people leave behind. Like he's up out there not getting blocked out, going and getting putbacks, and he's out there going and getting sort of like all these it's it's sort of brockish in a way. Like he's kind of he just goes and gets all these I would bet he gets four to five points a game on average off of putbacks and and free throws off of like rebounds that other people missed and you know like that kind of stuff. And so 
he can do that against Oklahoma, and it and it's great, and it's helpful, and it's it's one of the ways that that the Texas can win these games. So um, that's good, and you know, and this was a good game from Bishop as well. I thought, you know, I thought he played well as well. Yeah, super briefly, he had Timmy had no assists and one turnover against Oklahoma, and I love it because that means <laughs> the the less responsibility he has with the ball in his hands, the less he's got to kind of focus his energy on being a playmaker, the more he can move away from the ball, he can attack the offensive glass, he can, you know, he can be a secondary break kind of guy like whatever it might be. Like the 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 less that's on his plate as a playmaker, the more that he can really let the rest of his game kind of blossom and and show out and I, I like that. So it makes me really happy to see that. Like I'll I'll take one turnover and no assists from him because that means he's able to kind of focus all of all of the rest of his mindset on the other things. So um when we can when we can do that because we don't need him to be um a mismatch uh in one on one situations, that that's that's positive for us. Well let's take a, a further step back from this game. Texas Texas's first series sweep uh, if Texas has any hopes of getting, you know, eleven wins in Big Twelve play, they have to get what was it, Johnny? You have a running tally up two more sweeps than they are swept. Yes, at least this is their first one. What does this mean for their chances of getting to eleven wins in the Big Twelve? So right now, I think it's going to take them flipping a you know a game in which I don't think they're necessarily going to be favored um they they need to win three out of five and i don't really think they're gonna like they i know that they are if you look at this win probabilities they are a slight favorite against tech coming up here because it's at home and the game against baylor is theoretically a a toss-up because it's at home but i i they're gonna have to win at least one of the three against tech baylor kansas and that's home tech, home Baylor, away at Kansas to have a shot at 11 wins. And that's assuming they beat TCU at home and West Virginia on the road, which they, they, they might, but we can't, you know, I'm not going to assume. So I, I think regardless of how those three games play out, I, I just, I look at what's going on with the rest of the Big 12, and I feel like Texas is basically on rails to finish fourth because uh, they are they're significantly behind Kansas. Uh, they are behind Baylor and Tech, and they're probably going to be losing tiebreakers to them at best, assuming they even tie with either of them. But they also have a, a pretty good uh, cushion on the rest of the, the conference because nobody else has more than six wins at this point, and some teams already have nine losses. So, you know... It, there's going to be, if you look at it right now, there are probably four teams that Texas is pretty much guaranteed to finish in front of, and that's Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and West Virginia. So then you're really just talking about how do Kansas State and TCU do, and you know TCU still got both their games against Kansas coming up. Um, Kansas State is already at six and seven, and I, you know they. They still have a game against Kansas and a game against Tech, and both of those are away. So, like, I just kind of feel like Texas is slotted into fourth place going forward, and I, I don't, I don't think there's much they can do to change it outside of just really lighten it up for the next couple of weeks or really falling apart over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we've been a big, we've been a big beneficiary of both West Virginia and, and Oklahoma just 
simply being not as good as people kind of expected them to be. Oklahoma State, I I I think people that were paying attention and knew what their what their postseason woes were going to be. Um, like I think that was pretty predictable that they would end up kind of falling off a little bit like they did, but. Uh, because of the clear, you know, delineation of of you know Kansas, Baylor, Tech, and and Texas at the top, and then, you know, when when our big when our big competitors for four, five, and six are Kansas State and um, and TCU, I, I mean, I think that that obviously a, a pretty good season is going to be is well within our grasp. So, yeah, it's it's I still I you know if I had to if I had to bet. I think two and three is probably still the most likely outcome yep. uh, of those last five games, you know, but, but certainly it's, it's not, it's not improbable. I, I, <laughs> I think four and one is, is, would be amazing and, and sort of shocking. Um, not sort of shocking. Other, very, very yeah. shocking. <laughs> just about any other outcome other than, other than uh, zero and five would, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me very much. Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, it, it's a weird year in that the Big 12 is going to have a surprising number of teams that are under 500. Like, you know, it's, you know, having four or five of them go 500 or under 500 is, is pretty normal. But there's a good chance that six teams end up with going eight and 10 or worse. And it's, you know, where we thought maybe a team like Kansas would be 12 and 6 or 13 and 5, they might end up 15 and 3. And Tech and Baylor, they could end up with 13, 14 wins. And so they've just sort of consolidated or, you know, aggregated these wins that they've picked off from a variety of other teams. And so it's, it's, there's just sort of this, Texas is just sort of in this gap. They're, they're between the A group and the C group. They're just their own B group kind of thing. And, um, and I, I, I would be surprised if they end up, you know, third or, fifth or sixth i could see yeah how it would happen if they got four wins would be they definitely have to take texas tech and baylor at home because it's hard to win on the road in the big 12 We've and that's that that's kansas's senior night which they have not lost in at least 34 years yeah no texas isn't winning in, in, in kansas especially not after the past three games the big 12 will make sure of that the Big Twelve will make sure of that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's gonna have to be you take Texas Tech and Baylor at home, and you know it's not like that's out of the question. It's unlikely, but it's not out of the question. That's that's fair. That okay? Uh, yeah, okay. Is that's fair? I I mean I I think it's you know uh, I yeah I, I unlikely but possible is is a fair description. Yes. Yeah, I think I think coming into this into Big Twelve play, you were hoping Texas could take two games from the six games they played against Texas Tech, Baylor, and Kansas. They have a chance to get there. They have a chance to succeed that, ex- exceed that. Probably just going to get there. I mean, the like I think the over under we set for ourselves in sort of our private group chat was one and a half. Yeah, and I and to to give Chris Beard credit. Uh, by beating Kansas, that was the first time he had beaten Kansas or Baylor since the year he went to the title game. Like it, it had been two and a half, you know, th- this this would have been the third season without it. So, you know, that's that's a start. If, if you're mm-hmm. if you're looking for, uh, as as Tim said, silver linings, he, he did beat Kansas for the first time in three seasons. So maybe he can uh, maybe he can beat Baylor for the first time in three seasons, and he, maybe he can beat Tech for the first time ever 
technically. Yeah. Hey, there we go. Yeah. Well, you know, let's talk about tech here because Texas Tech is coming to Texas. They're coming to Austin, and they're going to bring a lot of fans with them. It's going to be a lot of red in that stadium. There are fans, as Johnny was alluding to before the show, that have bought in season tickets. Texas Tech fans bought in Texas season tickets solely for this game. How does Texas avoid what happened in Lubbock in Austin? Oh. Um. Okay. Well, I think that we have to. I'll I'll pin it on two people. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen. I just if, you know, I, I really enjoyed the, the the super pregnant pause followed by another super pregnant pause where it's like. <laughs> Like Tim didn't know this question was coming and suddenly, you know, it just popped on him. Well, I've been thinking on it for a while. It's one of those times where like I, you know, I see it on the, I see it on the itinerary or just sort of like assume that it's going to be there. And just like, like almost every answer that I have answered with everything else, like this, this one's in the back of my mind, like, what is it going to be? How is it going to happen? Uh, and I just, I just think for us to be the best teams in the country, uh, which I suppose tech just sort of is at this point, um, you know, I, I, as much as I love Andrew Jones, he's kind of a secondary player. Like he might lead us in scoring, but he's kind of a secondary player because he's not someone that's going to, you know, that's going to create a ton for himself. Although he did a better job with that against Oklahoma by kind of getting into the lane. Some, um, same thing with someone like Christian Bishop, same thing, even a little bit with someone like, um, like Courtney a little bit because he's, he's deferred a decent amount to, to, Marcus and so if we're going to beat a team like that if, like, if we're going to beat tech uh, whether it's at home or in the tournament or whatever it might be I just I think we have to get uh, a shooting and playmaking night from Marcus Carr and I think we have to get uh, a competitive productive night out of Timmy Allen everything else whether you're talking turnovers or rebounds whether you're talking about you know three-point field goal defense whether you're talking about foul trouble like whatever it might be I just think that for us to to give ourselves the best chance, those two guys have to be factors uh, on the offensive side of the floor. Because if if they are not factors, if Marcus is not playmaking and scoring, and if Timmy is, you know, some somewhere in the seven or eight points or less uh, range, I just don't. I don't think we have the firepower to keep up with those teams, given what we know that they can do defensively. So Tech is Tech is just they're they're long they're relatively deep they're athletic they're skilled they're playing with a ton of confidence right now you got to want to figure that they're going to be coming in and 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 loving the fact that so many texas tech fans are going to be in there they're going to relish the opportunity to to sweep beard in that first year with that so you you got to assume that they're going to come in with their pants on fire so i think that marcus and timmy given how important they are to us just have to have plus games um and if they do we still could lose, but if they have plus games, that opens things up for Andrew. That opens things up a little bit more for Christian. That gives us an opportunity to get to the foul line more because Marcus and Timmy, when things are going well for them, they get to the foul line a lot. So that puts the defense in in some foul trouble. You know, things like that. I think will kind of start falling into place. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm not trying to oversimplify, but I, I I don't know how we how we find a pathway to victory without Timmy and Marcus playing playing very good games yeah and i think um to to follow on to that it's you know when i look at tech stats 
not a lot really pops out in being this singular thing. But what what surprises me is that in conference play, they are making less than 28% of their threes. And in their wins over Kansas, over Baylor, they barely any barely any of those did they even shoot 33%. It's only the Texas game where they went off. Other than that, they're and so they're still beating these teams while not hitting from the outside. So it's not like you can look at and go, okay, well, if we just keep them to like 30% from three, because they're beating better teams than Texas while not hitting outside shots because they've got guys who get to the paint. They got uh, guys like Bryson Williams who can beat you inside and outside. You know, they, their defense is so good that they just, they and they have a, a like a whole, It's it's sort of the, it is in some ways the opposite of how Texas has been most of the season in that Tech has a bunch of transfers who take turns stepping up and being the dude. Like, O'Banner's been great in some games. Bryson Williams has been great in some games. You know, Terrence Shannon, who's been on the team for a while, you know, they've been team the whole time. He's been great. Uh, Adonis Arms had a couple good games. You know, uh, uh, what's uh, Davian Warren, who's from Hampton, he had some, you know, a couple good, really good games. Whereas Texas had a long stretch of all of these transfers not being you know taking turns and not being sure of how to do it and it's just you watch tech and there's a clarity of purpose on both ends of the floor that texas sometimes has but not not as reliably as tech does and so it's it's that ability for tech to to have that clarity pretty much regardless of where they are and what the situation is that makes them as tough as they are so it's Texas is going to have to mimic or surpass that sort of clarity uh, to take down Tech. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at one player right now, Kevin O'Banner, right? Who, we saw what he did against Texas. He had some very lucky rolls when it came to those three-point shots. But, I mean, he has long stretches where he's hitting, you know, 15, 18, 17, 13, 17 points. And then other stretches, 7, 3, 4, 2. Like, it's just either on or off for these Texas Tech players, but they always have two or three guys who are just on a night. And I wonder if they are a good model for how you do the transfer market, but we'll get into that for a second because I want to know beyond that, what is a key for Texas in this game going forward? If you had to choose one thing. I, I mean, I think Texas has to win the turnover percentage battle pretty handily to have a shot because i think if it's even or favors tech tech is is going to take this game and i mean that's not necessarily unique to playing tech because that has been a a fairly strong correlation as the season has gone on that texas tends to have trouble when they are not decidedly winning the turnover battle because it it helps generate offense for them but especially against tech uh, they they really need to to force significantly more turnovers than they generate on their own offensive end. Tim, what about you? I think Marcus and Timmy need to play well. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you said it before, but I do want to go back to that point. Uh, I also about... think that Texas needs to decidedly win the turnover battle. Oh, uh, okay, John, Tim. What what about you? Uh, let us not forget Marcus and Timmy. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, Parting words, Johnny? Turnovers. Got it. Are they doing... Can I finish? (laughs) Can I finish? (laughs) Are they doing transfers right over there in Lubbock? 
they were had a team where they needed to rebuild, just like Texas did this past year. It wasn't quite as dramatic a rebuild as Texas needed, but it was still a rebuild. They needed to rebuild a lot of their roster and a lot of their key parts, and they took the majority of their guys who are now key contributors are transfers. Whereas, and they have seen a lot more success than Texas has. What is it about how they patrolled the transfer portal that has led to them led them to a stark contrast in success than Texas? So I think it's there's there's a couple things at play here, and uh, one is that Tech did not have to go get as many transfers as Texas did. They had more guys coming back, which made it marginally easier for them to to build through the transfer portal. And I think that's something that uh, Beard has got to get to that point with Texas. He has to bring in freshmen and he's got to bring in guys that stay for two, three, four years so that instead of going and getting seven guys in the transfer portal, he's getting three or four because uh, that's a more sustainable way to, to build a program. So uh, there's that. There's also the fact that Tech is bringing in transfers and surrounding a potential NBA draft pick in Terrence Shannon, whereas Texas is bringing in transfer guys and surrounding them with dudes who play in Europe, probably, which is, you know, like it's it's not that Texas has bad guys, but there's no Terrence Shannon on, that wasn't a Terrence Shannon on the Texas roster. So there's that. Um, I also think that because Texas Tech had to get fewer transfers than Texas in a single cycle. They were able to be a little more purposeful and a little more laser focused on what they exactly wanted than Texas. Uh, Texas needed to get bodies and they, it, it kind of felt like they went for best bodies available and we'll just figure it out as, as we go along. Whereas, um, Tech was able to go, well, no, we, we want a guy like this. We want a guy like O'Banner. We want a guy like, you know, X, Y, and Z. And they did a better job of finding those guys. I, I, think, um, I think we would be having a somewhat different conversation if Bryson Williams had come to Texas instead of choosing Tech because both, both teams wanted him. Um, but it's still like, I, I think Mark Adams has an extremely clear idea of what he wants to do. And in some ways he's kind of continuing what Beard did with his own flavor on it. Whereas Beard is in some ways sort of having to start from scratch. So I, I don't know that what I know that what tech did this year is definitely more successful. And I think it is a more sustainable path if he can continue to bring in, you know, freshmen to, to, to supplement, um, but I don't know that it's they necessarily unlocked things in a way that Texas cannot going forward. Damn, a relatively kind of sunshine-pumping take by Johnny by Johnny standards. Yeah, by my standards, yes. Yes. <laughs> so I guess I'll come with the negativity there. I guess... Sweet! Uh, <laughs> the two, two, two big things from my standpoint that I think are important when you consider the transfer portal. I, I think that there's maybe a little bit of a misnomer with the portal of, oh, you're getting a lot more of a sure thing with the portal. And I just, I'm not certain that I'm comfortable saying that. I do think that there's going to be um, a level of, of insecurity is the wrong word, like just inconsistency with, with what kind of things you're going to get. Cause Marcus Carr came in and, and people just assumed that he would 
have very similar production at Texas that he did to Minnesota. And not only has our, you know, and certainly part of that is the, the offensive scheme that Beard runs versus what Patino ran for him there at, in Minneapolis. But the other part is he just hasn't looked as great as maybe he did at, at times in previous years. So I think that there is a question mark with, with any transfer of, of how good they're going to be, right? So are you going to get what Jay Lucas gave us? Or are you going to get what Matt Mooney gave to Texas Tech. One of those guys was a McDonald's All-American that transferred from Florida. The other came from South Dakota State. Uh, but certainly that was kind of what it was. Are you going to get what Maurice Evans gave Texas, or are you going to get what Kenny Taylor gave Texas? Um, so like that that kind of stuff is 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 a crapshoot, even though obviously you're you're getting a different level of, of guy coming in than maybe you would when you bring in guys out of the high school. Um, I, I, will, I will criticize Beard a little bit with this too, because I would say that there's there's – more of a duplicitous nature of our of our guys that he brought into the portal than what tech did and i guess that's maybe a roundabout say way of saying something similar to what johnny said but i just i don't know why we need christian bishop and trey mitchell when when i do think that guys were out there that that could be you know more of what like i mean not that he would have come here but like a kirkwath is for marquette right now right so that that big guy who can attack in the way that we sort of need and i'm not sure that we necessarily needed to bring in Marcus Carr when you have Courtney Ramey there as opposed to you know any number of playmaking point guards that are in and around college basketball not that you say no to Marcus Carr not that you don't bring in Trey Mitchell I mean that's in hindsight um, both of those guys were still were still takes no question about it but I do I do think that I I'm a little more hesitant to say like oh what a what a great recruiting class he brought into the portal because even in the moment there were some question marks like as you watched as you watched how the guys that we brought in play like oh we're lacking dead eye shooters oh we're lacking athleticism kind of all across the board um so so it, it would have been nice to have a little bit more variety um and a little bit less duplicity in the in the way that we uh ch- chose and picked our guys so um not that not that beard did anything wrong but i i'm not sure that it was um it was as effective as it could have been when you so. say duplicity i think of duplicitous and i'm like are they are they assholes are they, <laughs> are they evil or like what what what's it's going very, on do i not know something it's very cruella Deville was what's going on he's just chris beard wants his 101 dalmatians <laughs> Johnny, you have anything to add to that, or no? I just, uh, I, I just appreciate Tim shitting on Chris Beard for a little bit, so I didn't have to. Um, oh. No, I, you know, I, I think he's right, and I think that uh, I think it is. I, I don't know that I would uh, have a qualm with with his his description of of it being sort of a crapshoot because I do think there there is. These guys are a little bit more of a known quantity in terms of how they project relative to a, a, a high school senior or high school junior that you're offering. But I do think it, it, it the 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 exposure is less in getting a guy who washes out because I, you know we we have an acquaintance who who's said many times that if a high school senior who becomes a freshman washes out you lose a potential starter but if a transfer guy washes out you lose a guy who's supposed to start um and was supposed to be a significant contributor so it's it, it may it may it, it's it's bubbles in the pipeline but in different ways and, and they cause different problems and and so um i i think beard i i don't yet know if beard is going to get to a point where i think his 
balance of bringing in high level recruits and transfers is is sustainable and replicable long term. He may, uh, but he needs to bring in some pretty big uh, high school recruiting classes to get to that level. And thus far, he has had one class where he brought a dude who is now back in Lubbock, and he supposedly has three guys coming in this next cycle. But I don't know how many of those guys are going to be here three years from now, you know, which is sort of the stability you need to bring in those transfers that really bring the program to another level. So um, it's it's a big TBD for me on, on whether Beard's approach is going to pan out as the correct one. It may, but I, I need to I need to see a higher hit rate and a higher level of uh, of of player out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us then. Thank you all for pretending we were the football for the past hour. Big shout out to Brittany M and Colsey for hanging out with us and, you know, helping fund the show. If you guys really enjoyed the show, please go ahead and join us over on the Hornscast Patreon. Uh, you know, throw a few bucks our way. It would really help us out. And uh, also hang out, hang out with us on the uh, Hornscast Discord where you guys can find us three and chat with us if you like. Uh, Johnny, where can we find you other than the Horns cast discord? Of course. Yeah. Other than there, of course, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at bitter white guy. Uh, you can find me on Substack, bitterwhiteguy.substack.com, And, uh, yeah, I'll also a, a couple discords I'll mention in a couple. I will. <laughs> Tim, what about you? Uh, you can find me on the Hornscast Discord. You can find me at InsideTexas.com <laughs> and on Twitter at InsideTexasHoopNoS. Uh, yeah, uh, those those are pretty much it. Cool. You guys can find me, your host, on Twitter as well at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. My name, Will Bazer, and the Hornscast Discord. Thank y'all for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Hook em. Hook 'em Hook horns. <laughs>